Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. <laughs> I look at people and they, they misspell your name, which is mind-blowing in the yes. age of Facebook where it's right there yeah. for you. <laughs> but my guest this week, Harriet Riley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to see you. You as well. Harriet and I met in a unplanned comedy stand-up class just about two years ago here where we record at the yeah. Unplanned Comedy Warehouse at 5601 Butler Street. Shows each weekend here. Seek out Woody Drennan and the Unplanned Comedy Players each weekend here at the warehouse. Harriet, you've been performing on improv teams yeah. throughout the last couple of years. How did you yeah. kind of get introduced and started with the comedy scene in general here in <laughs> Pittsburgh? I, it wasn't really a bet with my therapist because I don't think that's allowed. Um, but when I said I was moving, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be able to work. And I did some Googling and I saw improv classes and I went, do you know what? I'm going to take an improv class when I move there. And she was like, of course you are. Go for it. Because as a therapist, I don't think she wanted to be like, you're never going to do that. There's a poster call you're on your, on your bullshit to some extent. To some degree. Um, and as it was kind of, yeah, it felt a bit like moving here felt a bit like jumping off a cliff. I think she was like, I'm going to be supportive. But now, you, you moved direct here from England? Yeah. Okay. Why Pittsburgh? <laughs> Why did you come here? Because, I mean, I took the story. I took a left at Greenland. Um, is the story. Just um, ended up. Yeah, that's an old John Lennon joke, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a long and complicated backstory, but why sure. not Pittsburgh? That's a fair question. Like, I'd always come here as a kid to visit. Yeah. And ended up here, I guess, at some yeah. point, about six years ago. And at least, unlike a lot of people that I, I was friends with and I am still friends with, I knew where Pittsburgh was. Sure. I got a little bit of like, oh, it's this place and rah, rah, and by the sea. I'm like, no, I think that's Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people forget that this isn't the East Coast. They're yes. like, oh, that's Philadelphia. Yeah. Cheesesteaks. Mm, New yeah. York's right there. Like, so they quite. were like, Pittsburgh, a bit of head scratching. and rah, rah. Um, But yeah, no, I've loved it. And I, I saw a free improv class and sure. jumped right in. And were you here at Unplanned, your first class? I, it wasn't, actually. Uh, my first class um, was at Steel City. Nice. Okay, I started over at the Steel City Improv uh -huh. Theater as well. 20, I'll uh, show my age, 2014. I thought you were going to say 20 years ago. No, like, you been, don't they look. They just had their 10-year <laughs> anniversary at the ah. skit. <laughs> Got to catch up with Justin Zell, who was mm. my first teacher. I took classes with him, and then Casey, and did some house teams over there, and I did some stuff here yeah. well, once upon a time. Yeah, it's really nice. And I'm my improv team actually is back there this weekend for a show. Oh, nice. So it's always nice to kind of, to go different places, but to come back to where you started and of go, course. hey, look what I'm doing. How's every, you know, and touch base with that. Yeah, um, I actually did an improv duo there with Will Ness maybe a month uh, or two ago. Yeah. So it was nice to kind of dip my toe. I'd wanted to do something with him since he and I used to run a variety show mm. here where it was a talking sandwich, who's my sidekick. Yep. And then I did <laughs> uh, the MC work. <laughs> So I know you've gotten back out after a little bit of a hiatus in the spring. Yeah. How's it been your first kind of week, week and a half of shows? It's been great, actually. It's been like pushing on an open door. Um, yeah, I was kind of, I first show back. I've, and for someone who tries to be a little bit careful about how much she commits herself, I might be over committing myself again. Um, but straight back with an improv show. Um, I messaged Gab Bonesso. I did a spot last Sunday with her. Nice. Um, and then one of those weird 
kind of sitting around on Saturday afternoon and got added into a Facebook group and was like, hey, do you want to come and do a house show in West Virginia? So I was like, well, okay. All right. Um, so yes, anding that quite strongly. Absolutely. Um, and then Gab was like, well, what, do you want a spot on a Sunday show coming up? So I feel like I've hit the ground. Pick, nice to have running friends and picked, that are like, oh, you want yeah. to come back out? Oh, you want back? We've got come some on in. for you. So, yeah. And it's been nice writing new material. I think I found it a little easier this time. Sure. Because I was like, well, I know that I've got 20 minutes, but I don't want to revisit it. And there's some, well... I, I know I can bring it back. Right. So for West Virginia, they were like, do you want to do 15 minutes? And then do you want to do an extra five? And I was like, well, I guess the notebook's coming back out again. Yeah, at that point, <laughs> Quick. you're like, what, oh, God. I, what haven't I done? Yeah, what, what, what did I do? Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, kind of writing has been a little easier this time around. So. Good, good. Um, how quickly with like a 20 minute set, were you able to kind of like, kind of like reintegrate old bits and new bits? Like how did you go about strategizing? God. That's a really interesting question. I think blind panic and fear um, is a great motivator for me. <laughs> I, will le- I will leave things until the last minute. And, you know, I, I have anxiety and I know that it's not great for me, but it's the best way of me motivating myself is just <laughs> the therapy worked. Push it up I to listened the wire. to her, didn't I? Um, it, but it is to push it up to the wire and just to go, oh, okay, oh, I'm going to have to work this done. out. Yeah, it's got to get done or you're going to look like a fool. And to me, embarrassment is worse than anything else. So, so. how long before a set are you typically in full panic mode, jotting um, the set down? I'm pretty calm okay. up until about half an hour and then I forget everything. Just blank out yeah. all of it. Yeah, and I did, um, which is why I love improv, I think, because you don't have to remember right. anything. Right, just show up um, with your, uh, But skills. I know that I'm like that because I did a lot of kind of amateur dramatics and stuff as a teenager and at college. Okay. And I know that I've got my lines down, sure. but now I also know that I won't be able to remember it. For like... Do you feel like <laughs> doing improv helps you in being looser up there? Or when you talk about I have my lines down, are you fairly like rehearsed? And you kind of are still working the script. It's starting to. Sure. Um, I think coming back, actually, the first, yeah, (laughs) the two shows that I've done, um, I have been rolling with audiences a little bit more, making stuff up a little bit on the spot and responding a bit more, whereas previously I was very like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, um, I think the first time I had that moment of being able to be flexible was actually on stage here. Oh, good, okay. And I did... Yeah, it was, I did 20 minutes last year as part of, um, I think it's Comics Alive, where you do a stand-up set and then people improvise. And, I, I can, and all of my friends were in the front row and like, we've all done improv together. They've all seen my set. Sure. Like, so they know it. They're like, okay, um, I know what jokes can we yeah. play with. And, uh, and, and I was going through my time, I'd learned it and I missed a bit. And I could see them all go... Oh, expecting. how's she going to handle this? Is it going to throw? Is she going to bring it back in? And I managed to go, okay, that bit should come. And just to be able to do the mental gymnastics and go, I can bring that back in and it's still funny. And I've, I haven't like shortened my set by five minutes for forgetting. So that was right. the first That's time right. I was like, oh, I am more in control of this than I thought I was. I can you move it around What was that initial... Like thought process when we wrote our five minutes in the class that we took together. Oh, um, oh, I like I have to do this. It's gonna like I'm gonna look like a muppet if I don't. <laughs> um, a small amount of fear and terror of Woody. Um, but actually, had you, had you taken improv with him before? Or was this your first class? It was my first skin? initiation okay. into the whole whole thing. And then I went on and did levels of improv here. So I was like, okay, I can. 
Yeah, it was a, um, a woman, Angie Hartman, on my improv team. Yeah. Um, basically dared me to do it. She went, I'll do it if you do it. Bet you won't. I was like, okay, fine. We'll do it. Um, the first five minutes initially seemed like terrifying and like I, I initially struggled but the more we got on stage and just walked, went Worked through things that week in, week it out. became like I'd always it's what I'd always wanted to do I have always wanted to be on stage yeah. and kind of fancied myself as being amusing so actually it was like well actually now it's time to push yourself a bit and see where you can go with this and stop being quite so afraid of, of yeah. opening up bits of yourself and, and shining a light on some of that stuff well, and yeah. it's, it's an, a rare opportunity to have the full attention of a room of mm. people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I was that frustrated comedian. I would try and be funny, you know, sometimes in quite odd places. Like, I do yeah, have sure. a bit about, you know, trying to crack jokes at my dad's funeral. Um, try and lighten the mood. You have to. Yeah, sometimes you have to, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting audience. Some, yeah. apparently Some siblings the, like it. Yeah, Some and apparently so the spotlight's not supposed to be on you. It's not your, <laughs> yeah. it's not your big day. Um, but I think once I stopped looking for things, not out in the... Yeah, just things to be funny about and started going like making it a little bit more about myself, um, I think I first started to find it easier kind of drawing from myself and my experience rather than going, oh, look at this thing over there. Isn't it funny? Trying to bring the comedy a little bit closer and being less afraid of that. When you were doing just straight improv at first, were you able to bring like your real life into the characters that you played? Yeah, a little. Yes. Um, And to me, because improv is a slightly, should be, I think, a slightly safer space. Um, it's It's more about... It's more of a team sport. You I've need never. Each other. Yeah, you need each other. You know, you are enough. You're an expert in, and in your own experience. Up, I'm rooting for you, but we don't need each other. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you if do I'm well, a- it helps me if I'm after you. But ultimately, yeah, it's a track meet where we all have our own events. Exactly, it's not a team sport. Yeah, in the and, same way that improv is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other end of that is ultimately I want you to do well, but also I want to be funnier than you or at least yeah. as funny. We all have <laughs> that desire to be the best, hopefully. Yeah. You have to have um, some level of narcissism to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the, the two balance me out a little bit, I think. Stand-up feeds my, indulges my inner narcissist. Sure. And then improv kind of pulls me back to something a little bit more kind of, I've never been a team sport person. Yeah, what kind of performing did you do growing up? You mentioned having some roles as a kid and and even after school. Um, I was a huge, uh, partly my dad pushed me because he was a frustrated actor. Okay. Um, He had like a shot at going to London as a kid and his school wouldn't let him go. Oh, sure. So when I expressed any interest in performing even if it was like school assemblies he was like you get up there and you read um so like even yeah i was part of the most amazing youth theater as a teenager who and they really developed me as kind of they treated you very seriously and they treated acting very seriously and i did like drama at school and I wanted to study it at college, um, at which point my dad got scared that I'd taken the acting bug too strongly. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. For God's sake, don't do drama at college. You'll never be employed. Um, so I, yeah, that youth theater really gave me a grounding in quite, quite like serious acting. We did like Chaucer, we did Greek stuff, we did modern things. It was like, it was a very kind of actly 
kind of place. Well, a lot of the, uh, England is known for that. Having yeah. a lot of conservatories and, and acting programs. Yeah. How close did you grow up to London in the West End? Uh, not terribly close. So okay. I grew up in Wales. Um, so pretty far north. Um, yeah, so quite far. But it's only so in. <laughs> this is the great difference between England and in America. Wales is only about two and a half hours from London. Fair. Um, but because roads are smaller, and it's just like, oh, no one would ever travel, which is ridiculous. You know, you think it's insane how that how close that things yeah. are in England. Yeah, how close things are in, in this reluctance. Yeah, and in, in Europe in general, and this reluctance to travel and this reluctance to go and see stuff. Um, but I moved for college. I moved to the outskirts of London. Okay. And so I was able to go and go to fabulous spaces like the Donmar Warehouse. Um, saw Michael Sheen um, cool. when he was he was doing Caligula and was this this most amazing electric performance. Um, I got to see Ian McKellen on stage judy dench so it kind of opened up this whole other level of theater but it always felt particularly comedy always felt out of reach in london okay um i was having a little think before i came and i was like i don't think i would be doing stand-up or improv if i was still in london yeah did you know much (laughs) of like a independent scene or clubs or no um the only kind of club experience i had is i was part of a running club Okay. That, met, that met at a pub. Sure. Um, but the husband of There's the woman who runs the running club runs a comedy, ran a comedy club oh, in neat. the pub. So there was a little bit. And occasionally you get bigger UK comedians like Al Murray, Rob Brydon, um, people like that coming in just workshopping material there. Sure. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I would see people doing five minutes. I would see people doing 10 and go, okay, maybe this isn't. Where the opportunity could present yeah. itself. Um, and I think English audiences are a little meaner. Really? Yeah. Okay. Particularly London or all over the country? Um, I mean, London is quite cold anyway. Um, but I do think people all over go with an expectation to be entertained. And sure. going against our cultural stereotype, if you're not funny, we'll tell you. Like, very loudly. Not here to humor you. Yeah. Like, if we think you suck, we're going to tell you right now in the middle of your set. We're not even going to wait to come up to you afterwards or like, yeah. Not great. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that meanest, terrified me. Is there, have there been mean heckles equivalent to what you think you'd experience back home in any of your stand-up or comedy experience here? Oh, I don't want to say no and not yet. Because I'm sure they're out All there. Right, sure. Um, so far, I've been lucky. Or just so blazingly funny that no one will heckle me. Let's go with that one. It's more silence that is there than yeah. active disdain yes. from an audience. Yeah. Yeah, there have been some quiet audiences sure. where I've just been like, okay, just don't let it rattle you. Just kind of... Just here to keep playing the game. Yeah. And sometimes it's just practice going, oh, you're not going to laugh. Well, let's just practice and right. practice handling that and not kind of hating myself too much when I get off stage. Prior to doing the class, uh, had you done any open mics? Had you dipped your toe into stand-up at all? Nope. Zero. Okay. I went... Dive straight in. Um, and I had that horrible memory of Woody calling people on stage at the first class and going, tell your stock joke. And me going, I don't have a stock. <laughs> like, one, what is a stock joke? Two, I don't, oh. And then, you know, you got up on stage and told a joke and a few other people. And I was sitting there going, oh, shit, this is like, the only reason this I is going to kill me. one at the ready is because of stand-up get down. Mm-hmm. which is a show that Aaron Kleiber and Jason Clark produce over at the arcade. Uh-huh. And there's a round where one of the comedians at any point, it's like a three-on-three stand-up game show, and you as a person on a team can call Drunk Uncle 
or the Joker card. Okay. It's been called at different points. But that means you have to get up and tell your best stock joke. Yeah. And then the audience either decides to give you 100 points or oh, okay. they don't give them to you. Um, and it's, you know, it's a fun show to get to do. So when I had the first opportunity to do it, when I was on a team that didn't mm-hmm. look like it had somebody who would do it. When I was on yeah. teams, it like, the first couple of times I did the show, I was with people that are like, that's their personality. Let them take care of that. But then you like look yeah. at the roster and you're like, there's nobody else who has like a dad sort of yeah. personality. Mm-hmm. So I went and Gilbert Godfrey actually did a whole album of stock jokes, ah, maybe like two okay. years ago. So the one that I did, I'm sure for the class and I have done anytime I've been mm-hmm. asked to do a stock joke is a father walks in on his son vigorously masturbating. The father says to the son, if you keep doing that, you're going to go blind. And the son says, dad, I'm over here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I still don't have a stock joke. That's okay. So I should invest. Take I should it. kind of. I'll, I'll tell you that one. You can use awesome. That one. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Every day's Thanks, a school Gilbert. day. Yeah, Every Thanks, Every day's Gilbert. a school day. Um, do you continue to kind of have that student mindset with the way that you do comedy? Like doing these two shows, were you afterwards like going back and listening to audio of yourself? Are you trying to reconfigure tags? Or like, what's your writing process ultimately? Yeah, I try to. Um, my writing process is quite, it's, I'm still kind of using the Woody technique. I always have a notebook with me. Um, I find writing things down on paper much more helpful. Sure. Um, and I'll start, like, I'll have an idea. I'm a dog walker at the moment. <laughs> so I've always got, like, my notebook in the car and I'll scribble, even if it's just a word or a bullet point. Because I, I went through a phase last time of not doing comedy and I would be talking with friends, particularly comedian friends, and they go, that's a bit there. Yeah. And I go, oh, yeah, I'll write it down at some point. I have never written down all of that. And I'm sure there's gold in there, but I will never, ever remember it now. Yeah, so trying to constantly capture almost anything and then I know I can kind of go back I'll, take it to stage when you're ready yeah and I'll spend you know half an hour a few times a week just kind of going over some of those sure. and pulling some of the ideas out and then I I still type everything up <laughs> I like to have um, stuff typed out I still like to yeah and that helps me go through read it because I I have always struggled editing things on screen sure like it just doesn't work for me so then I can change words around and kind of find a flow but then just going and doing a mic and working out like oh that doesn't quite work well that phrasing there sounds weird where's an applause break or where may an applause break be right where Um, and (laughs) when do you need to tell the audience that's when you're supposed to laugh uproariously there's the punchline you missed it let's go back yeah no we we didn't miss it yeah (laughs) yeah um and then i find like because i've got that record i can kind of I'm down to just having like a set of words yes, now. Sure. So I can just go that, 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 that. And then I can move those keywords around within a set, bring other keywords in. And so if I have to scribble it on my hand or take like a little bit of paper, I've just got... Got it there hidden. Yeah. Or like Chris Martin, I'll scribble it like up my arm. But I always worry that I'll get nervous and sweat too it'll, much. And then I'll be like, oh, the, no. Closer. <laughs> oh, what am I, what I, am I gotta, doing here? I've been for a while now. I have a clear back case on my phone. So it's a little cheat oh, sheet. I'll just drop that on the stool. Nice. So that's how I typically go about it. That's another pro tip. Under Thank you, Garrett. Hey, I'm just here. <laughs> That's where I hide my set list is on the back of my cell phone if anybody comes out and sees (laughs) me perform. Um, So this episode comes out on July 2nd. When I, I, I never traveled internationally, Mm -hmm. I just got to, and my partner's 
um, grandfather or husband of grandmother, mm-hmm. gentleman, brought up the Revolutionary War a couple of times. Okay. And since this episode's coming out the week <laughs> of July 4th, uh, what, as uh, someone from the losing country of the Revolutionary War, is it something that they teach? Is it something that that guy in particular was just worried about? Or is it something that a lot of England still talks about? Uh, or about our generals like George Washington, Thomas oh. Jefferson, that era particular of U.S. history. We're still livid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we look over here and go, God, what could have been? It came up a couple times. <laughs> no, it's funny. I yeah. actually, it was barely mentioned. And I studied history. Yeah. Like, my background is BA in history, master's. And I never really studied it at all. We just, it's not like, oh, we lost, we don't mention it. Um, Nothing that's, that's, much happened. Yeah, it's, well, we keep quiet about it. They, you know, their little experiment, see how it's see see how they're doing now, Good sort of thing. Yeah, um, and it's never really been a thing until I moved here. Okay. And now, occasionally, people are like good humouredly poke about. Yeah. What was your expectation? <laughs> Obviously, like a lot of U.S. culture makes its way over there. Yeah. But what was your understanding or expectation before moving here? Had you visited a few times? Um. I, yeah, visited a few times. Um. I. <laughs> I had got over the kind of English view that Americans don't do irony or sarcasm, um, <laughs> particularly kind of the East Coast. Um, I'd, I'd visited New York, so I was like, okay, no, people do. It's not going. People do get that, and yeah, people can be actually there. quite mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, and but I didn't have much of a grounding in um, American comedy, American comedians, sure. um, just partly because like. TV is so, or was when I was growing up, so limited in the UK. Like we had four main channels. We didn't get five until I was about 15. Wow. Um, and my parents were too mean to ever pay for cable. <laughs> so I was like, apart from the biggies like Bill Hicks and Richard Pryor, I was like, Not there's a, a whole world yeah. out there. And because my comedy kind of, Education afterwards in the UK and then London was again kind of people like Eddie Izzard, uh, French and Saunders, Victoria Wood, kind of even going back as far as I still love um, some bits of Morecambe and Wise. Yeah. Um, so it was it was very UK focused. Um, apart from like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, um, I was very kind of it's been a great kind of rich learning curve it's been really good to kind of so you started dig into comedy that. pretty quickly after you moved to pittsburgh yes okay yeah so um, it was like a, your therapist says i don't think you'll do it and you're like yeah one signed up yeah and i had a couple of friends back in the uk who were like oh we think that would be amazing but we're totally going to hold you accountable for it sure um so i was like oh okay i bet and it just felt more achievable and within reach in pittsburgh than it ever did in london sure, kind of for expense absolutely. and all of that kind of, I'm just intimidated. I was more intimidated and that's not kind of reflecting, neg- meant to reflect negatively on Pittsburgh. It's like, I didn't think, oh, here's a bunch of like hicks who I'm just going to be able to walk in on. It just felt, the scene felt more approachable than the it's scene felt in London. New York or London. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Than one of those big cities. So it felt more achievable to get in at a kind of lower to kind of medium level and do stuff yeah. rather than just be 
forever learning or forever going oh can I get can I do like three minutes at your <laughs> mic at like two in the morning it's a lot easier here to kind of to get involved yeah where do you like to get up in total I know you mentioned getting up at Brillo Box are there certain open mics that you, you tend to gravitate towards um I yeah I'm I need to get back out um and there are a lot of exciting mics that I want to do um I used to do hand bones quite a lot um and the dear departed Trixie's <laughs> open yeah, mic sure. on the on the south side of Sunday nights. Um, my slight problem is I have a very strong inner old lady, and I start getting very very tired very quickly. So I try and like anything early Seven or eight is good for me. Absolutely Doable. perfect for me. Nine yeah, yeah. I start getting you know, and it's like oh, you're going to be here until and um, and. It was like receptive rooms I really enjoy. Sure. Um, a mix of people who were there. And it's great having comedy peers around, but sometimes it is everyone's kind of focused on their own thing. And it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm just learning this. I'm going through my set rather than finding out where the laugh points are. Right. It's more of. like running it for memorization sometimes. Yeah. Just to and, have the wordings there. Yeah, and that's perfectly valid. And yeah. it's a great way of meeting other comedians on the scene. Um, the social aspect. So I am it. a little sheltered in, <laughs> in that How respect. So? Mm. I just think having not hit yet a kind of a diversity of mics. Oh, um, okay, sure. There's a lot of people that I kind of, I know from Facebook or I know from posters, but, and I have this thing where I think I just have a generic face. Okay. Um, so a few people that I've met, it's like, oh God, I'm so unforgettable. And I just have to remember that people see a lot of people um, and there are only a certain set of human features and combinations of them. The accent might, have, think. might be the thing. But people are like, oh, hi, have I met you? And you're like, oh, I don't want to say yes, you have, but it's fine. Sometimes yeah. you just blend. Yeah, I'm like, here. Yeah, no, maybe, at a <laughs> yeah. maybe we've seen each other. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, here I am. Here's me. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, I would like to get out and do more. Like I said, I used to do hand bones a lot before my little holiday. Yeah. Um, so it would be good to go back and do that. Um, I'm excited to see Froggies opening up because that's quite, ne quite near where I live. Um, that's always helpful. Exactly. And it helps with a late night. You can just crawl back. Well, then pleasure bars right there yeah. for Tuesday nights. Yeah, absolutely. So Same neck of the woods. And yeah. then obviously... There's a lot going on at Hambones Burning Bridges Comedy Club yep. on Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah. So, and it's for me, it's about balancing it as well because I'm in an, an improv team as well. It's a difficult thing to try to do both. Yeah. So if you, you know, it just, and that's what happened to me. Like it can swallow your life. You're doing improv. Sure. If you've got a show, whether it's stand up or improv, sometimes two at a weekend, you've got to fit in improv practice because that's how a team functions. Right. Getting um, to know each other. Getting know to know each other and. Playing. Yeah, just building that rapport and then writing and then hitting mics. It's like, oh God, I have like the rest of my life to kind of fit in around it. Is there anybody else on your improv team that has an interest in stand-up or has done stand-up or are most of them people from the improv community? Um, I think most of them have done stand-up, are doing stand-up or are stand-up curious. Um, <laughs> That's a technical term. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I have done stand-up. Doug Slook does stand-up and improv. Um, recent guest. Recent guest. Eric and Spence are in the, the current stand-up class here. Oh, wonderful. Um, I know Spence has done some open mics and has been, like, raring to go, so he's finally doing that. Um, and Mohuk, who is a drop-in, drop-out member because he, he went and decided to go and get a PhD. Busy fella. Busy guy. Um, also did the stand-up class here Very after cool. we kind of badgered him 
to go and do it. Anne was hilarious and loved it. And yeah. I think he's still doing mics. And he had the really exciting experience of he's from India. He went home and did open mics back home. Oh, very so fun. I was like, that's really interesting. Kind of a very cool kind of way to... Yeah. Most definitely. When I was in England, we went and saw an open mic, and it was, I think, six comedians. Mm-hmm. The MC was from Poland, and one of the gentlemen was from Spain. Obviously, some politicians that I had no idea who they were. Yeah, I was going to um, say, what was, what was that like? What was your experience in that? Um, no, it was interesting, because we would have gotten, I think we would have signed up to go and tell jokes, or I would have been willing to, but... There were only like four other real audience members. Okay. So we weren't going to be like, we were like, let's be the other two audience yep. members so they have somebody to crowd work. Mm-hmm. So it was two women who lived out in the suburbs and then another couple and one woman who was by herself. And they all did fine. You uh-huh. know? I think there were some people who were certainly better than others. Yeah. But it was interesting. It's not, I would have equated it for the locals to something like you would see at the Beer Hive where it's got a bar and there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. and then there's another floor where they've put a comedy show and there's a lot less going on. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, did you... Yeah, was the humor very Britain-focused or did it cast any of it wider? Um, No, there were definitely jokes that were wider. There were obviously some local-type humor and any sort of reference to their either politicians or actors and actresses that didn't always know the names to match up a lot of that's like eh, sure that's yeah. joke. but it's joke structure that yep. works there was one guy who had a few props which you don't see a ton of here huh. in Pittsburgh I did see a magician yeah. maybe two weeks ago at the Burning Bridges Thursday mm-hmm. but um, yeah it was interesting when I was in Israel earlier this month I was attempting to get up but we were in Jerusalem over the weekend like a Thursday to Monday and they had an English open mic, but it was the day after we left uh, okay. on Monday yep. night. And then in Tel Aviv, it was like reverse. Yep. So when we were in the other part where I could have done it, just didn't work out that yeah. way. Didn't get to go to see any shows either. But. Yeah. It's definitely something that I want to do when I go back. Yeah, kind sure. of. I haven't done a mic back home. Um, and I keep calling it home, but Pittsburgh is also home now. It's like big home, little home. Um, <laughs> and like I say, the, the Bearcat Comedy Club in the pub um, that I was talking about keeps saying, whenever you're back... You can do five minutes. Yeah, you can come uh-huh. in. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll cut my teeth with a British audience at some point. But I did my first out-of-state gig. Yeah, so how was the West Virginia? You it said was you did 15 fun. And then another five. Yeah, um, was not expecting to do the other five. Right. Which is again a sign that I'm getting a little bit more confident and can go, oh, because I. It was a, quite a last-minute thing. Just suddenly going, a friend added me to a message group and, and texted me going, please don't be asleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, do you want to come to West Virginia for this gig? And I was like, yeah, okay. Sure. Um, whereas a kind of probably seven, eight months ago, I'd have gone, oh, I don't know if I want to. No, Day it's off. fine. Well, maybe. Yeah. Thanks for the offer. Yeah. Um, or I'd have gone, oh, I'm sorry. I'm busy tonight with a plan I haven't invented yet. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. It was a really nice, it was a show of people who, had come to be entertained. Good. I don't think they knew what to expect. It was kind of a house party, someone's garden, the most amazing venue ever. Interesting. I've okay. never done stand-up in a venue with a water feature before. Not sure I will again, but it's very relaxing if you're feeling nervous beforehand <laughs> just to kind of chill out and watch Did you the... you hear it from the stage? No, oh, okay. which, is, which is okay. It's the first Preferably. time I've ever worked with a cordless microphone. Oh, that's so, for sure. up your game, Pittsburgh. Rural West Virginia <laughs> is kicking your ass on the microphone front um, <laughs> an outdoor venue you almost need it yeah um it rained 
which okay. was also like, yeah. okay, this is a challenge, but yeah, coming great. from Wales, I'm used to that. I was like, okay, everything's kind of being thrown at me. But it was, it was really lovely. It was, yeah, it was fun. People were there to be entertained. They didn't know quite what to expect, I don't think. I got a comment, you know, I was introduced as hailing from the United Kingdom and someone in the audience went, oh, wow. It's like... <laughs> that's cute but I'm not just here for like I live here now I'm not just like the special guest but thanks um, <laughs> made someone's day do you um, feel like when you're running errands sometimes people feel like you're a special guest even if you're just like picking up cereal yeah yeah it's not so much in the center of town because I think with the universities and the hospitals sure. everyone's a little There's more a used to like a bit yeah people being the a bit more into yeah. yeah people still don't believe me when I get tried to give them directions here <laughs> like, like they go, excuse me, can you tell me how to get to? And I open my mouth and they just go, oh, no. Never mind. I'm like, I didn't have a car when I lived here for like the first year and a half. Like, yeah. I know this city. But they're just like, oh, no, you clearly don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and the further out you get, kind of people are a bit more like, oh, what are you doing here? And, you know, you get perks like Eaton Park will let you order off menu. Oh, okay. So, like, you know, that's Living the, living the dream. What do you get? A flat white? What do you get <laughs> off menu? You get extra banana fosters. Oh, okay. Which, you know, I, I, will, I will dine out on my Englishness if it means extra banana fosters that you're not supposed to get. <laughs> <laughs> like, there isn't much. You know, there aren't many perks. So I'm like, I'll take them where I can get them. Yeah, there's, not, there's not a ton of, like, you can't get a good roast dinner. What can you do in this town? Does, is there, when you get homesick, what do you do? Um, oh, I did think about this. So <laughs> initially when I did get homesick, I went to the two places that are the same everywhere, which is Starbucks and Ikea. Because <laughs> Starbucks in Pittsburgh is the same, same as Starbucks in London, which is the same as Starbucks in Tokyo. Right. So I was like, okay, I am comfortable here and Ikea um, because it's exactly the same. So I go and get meatballs <laughs> at Ikea. Um, occasionally I'll go down to Piper's. Sure. The yeah. English pub um, on and the south the side. He's there for brunch. Before. Yeah. Oh, um, the sausage rolls with HP sauce are like a total taste of home. Okay. Um, so I'll go and have like a pint of Guinness and sausage rolls and just Perfect. be like, all is well with the world. Nice. Kind of grounded. Good but, to get centered. Yeah. Because I'm refocused in my <laughs> Britishness. Um, but I tend, I'm getting a lot less homesick. Sure. Yeah. It feels like home. It feels like I have a community and like a support network now. And Pittsburgh is friendly. I know it's yes, a cliche, sure. um, but it is. I mean, anywhere's friendly after London in the same way as anywhere's friendly after like New York sure. or somewhere. But it has, you know, people are genuinely feel more approachable. And How I think you, maybe being English helps because people are a bit more like, you're like, oh, where are you from? They still more feel inclined like they can, to uh, help you. Like, yeah. They don't care about me. Yeah. yeah. I, can still, I can still play the lost, like, foreigner card state, yeah, yeah. Oh, i'm not from around here help and they're like oh bless your heart okay <laughs> growing up did you have much of a like relationship with the u.s like what was your understanding of like pittsburgh just in general before you got here um it existed sure and flash dance um, okay we got a movie deal i did i did a bit of research my dad um was aware he was a great jazz fan um like a huge american jazz fan so he was he was a little bit aware of pittsburgh and that kind of musical legacy um but yeah i had 48 hours here to make up my mind as to whether it was 
I was moving or not. So okay. I did like the big sites and the museums and went, well, it's kind of, it's a bit like a small London because yeah. it has big world-class stuff. It's very rich in terms of arts and culture. Yes. Um, for the size of it, for sure. For the size, it's kind of, you know, it's got a lot going for it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. But apart from jazz, my dad was fairly anti-American. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he'd be appalled that I'm now kind of green carded up and calling it home sure he'd be like yeah. oh my goodness kind of, <laughs> of what's going on does the but, rest of your family come to visit at this point have they been able to to see your home we're a ferociously small family okay um it's me my mother and my aunt um my aunt is probably too poorly to travel and my mother is too stubborn <laughs> <laughs> she's like i'd have to get i'd have to get my passport redone and I'd have to, I'd have to go on several planes and a train to get to the... It's that English there's, travel mentality. Sure. Um, <laughs> there's direct now to Heathrow. I know, I know. Um, friends are more keen to visit Fair. than my family, which maybe says something about my family. <laughs> um, but, and the fact that we talk more now than when we lived in the same country. So sure. I think, yeah, I, I would love them to. But equally, I'm quite happy they don't, you know, I can live my own little life here and they don't need to, they get edited highlights. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just present them the wins. Yeah. That's quite, that's quite nice. I got asked to do an encore this weekend. Yeah. First out of state gig. Yeah. And I made the most money I've ever made from comedy. There and someone go. called Thank me a professional. And my mom was like, good God. Like, thanks, mom. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Like, she's like, so is this going to be another career then? And I was like. I mean, the rate of like six months practice for like fifty dollars isn't no, you amazing. Can't do the math that way. You have to say this <laughs> exactly. much times, exactly. This many minutes. Yeah, I was like, break it down per minute, mum, and it's fine. She's like, hmm. yeah, if you run the numbers of how many times you've done the set, yeah, exactly. It it's like no one would ever do it. <laughs> I always tell her, there's way easier ways to go get validated. Yeah, if you can find something else, I would do that. Yeah. You don't have to do stand. Yeah, absolutely. There's much and there's much more secure less the kind of personally challenging ways of getting validated yes. than standing up on a stage and going, "I'm funny and I'm going to entertain you." I'm here for you. Yeah. These are things I thought and I wrote them down and I brought them here yeah. for you. Yeah. This is a bit of me. I like I wanted to open up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope it helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting to do comedy um, you haven't gotten to do it internationally yet, though, but now we'll call it interstate yep. comedy. <laughs> Barely. It was like <laughs> wheeling, which is near as damn it. Like it's, it's, across, yeah. it's across the state line, so it counts. Triadelphia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Outside of wheeling, West Virginia. Home of Billy the Kid. Ah. That's fun. Fun fact from the Billy Joel catalog. <laughs> what are your goals for the back half of the month now that you're getting to do mics and you've come back from the hiatus? Um, good question. So next will be taking the, some of the, the confidence and the more flexibility that I think I've got to the show with Gab on the 30th of June. Oh, this episode <laughs> came out July 2nd. I you know, but, but if you, you I'm sure incredible. I was amazing. I killed incredible. it. I was like a different comedian Everyone from the one nuts. you saw last year. Oh, like, it was so impressive. Rapturous applause, six I, encores. That kind of thing. It seems excessive, but, but it felt natural in, yeah. the, in the moment. Um, I'd like to get back to 20 minutes, okay. like 20 fresh minutes. Yeah. Or maybe use some of the, because some of the stuff that I've, I mean, some of the stuff that is stuff that I wrote in that class with Woody. Sure. So, and some of it's still good, but I would like maybe retiring some of it. 
You're not going to um, hang up the bit about uh, being a model, are you? No, because that, that gets a laugh everywhere. Sure. Um, and it's true. It's a little <laughs> bit of like, come on. Um, but yeah, some of the stuff is maybe a little more cutesy. Okay. Um, and I'm feeling a little more confident in being a little more kind of personal, a little bit more serious. assertive or yeah. serious. Um, Ready to yeah, to try and... the status quo. Yeah, I don't feel... I feel less of a need to people please. Because sure. I am an incredible people pleaser. Um and I feel like I can probably cope with people going, oh, I'm not sure I found that funny or oh, yeah, that's that? a bit, mm, why'd you say that for rather than just standing on stage and going, please love me, please laugh at me. Not for everybody. Yeah, a bit like a puppy. <laughs> um, so hopefully, yeah, taking myself more in that direction, being a bit bolder and more confident. Are there professionals or uh, even people locally that you tend to emulate or voices that inspire you in the way that you kind of write? I still, um, and partly because most, a lot of my early, and I don't think it comes over in my act actually at all, um, is Eddie Izzard. Mm. Um, I, me and a group of friends would spend almost every Saturday morning hungover, eating like tea and toast and just watching Eddie Izzard on repeat. Nice. And I still have like this inner Iz- Izzard kind of, <laughs> <laughs> or like this boy, his voice or a slight mannerism. Um, he has been such a big influence on kind of me. What you find your voice um, to end Yeah, up what I find, you know, but I don't Body think that translates at all into my act, um, <laughs> which is fine. Okay. Um, but it's almost like, it's a bit like, what would Eddie do in this situation? How would Izzard handle this kind of thing and just kind of walk straight through it going, it'll be fine. Um, and actually, the stuff that Amy Schumer is doing now, I know these are kind of national, is just the way yeah, sure. she's developed as a writer. Her like her, la- hour. her yeah, her newest hour on the Netflix on the, the Netflix special was just like oh wow, seeing how she's grown and developed sure. her writing style and is tackling similar things, but in a very different, very direct way. Okay, like, oh, okay, that is was something I really appreciated seeing. Got to see um, some growth over the years. Yeah, um, which was really kind of nice and go okay. So it is like it's totally possible to kind yeah. of change and develop in that yeah, direction, yeah, fine. but. Each album can be its own thing and yeah. kind of grow year over year and yeah. throughout your career. And there's a lot of local female comedians that I kind of, I, look at. I mean, obviously kind of Gab and has been really lovely and really supportive. Sure. Um, Cassie Bruno, I find hilarious. Yeah, they've both <laughs> um, been on the show. And the she's past. not afraid to go for the jugular. Yeah. Um, I don't think I killer. will ever be <laughs> it's like as Cassie and that's fine because you know the town doesn't need two of us she's got <laughs> she can be her own yeah and people like Amanda Averill um yeah. Kaylee Dumas are people that I look at and go oh okay that's someone that I I look up to and yeah I just had Kaylee on recently and... when she launched the uh cheesiest mic in town yes. on Thursdays yes uh, the, yard. the yard is on my my list of mics nice to, to go to yeah, so. unfortunately that's when I'm hosting trivia every Thursday at the beer hive Seven o'clock, come on out, listen to my playlist. It's always entertaining, always fun. Typically has at least one song from uh, the Beatles. You mentioned John Lennon earlier and being from Wales. Most of my time when I was in England was in London and Guildford, but I did get to do one night in Liverpool, which is a much bigger city than I thought it was going to be. Um, What was your background with the Beatles and kind of growing up in their backyard? Um. Yeah, it's been interesting. I have become much more aware and kind of proud in a way of my British identity since being here, which I think a lot of people who move do in kind of response sure. to that. Um, I, I mean, I liked the Beatles, in the, but they were like, oh, they're a cultural institution. 
Paul McCartney makes largely terrible music now. His last album was a lot better and he seems to be on an upward curve. But he was someone who would always be dragged out to sing Hey Jude and go on forever. Um, And my mum had a couple of Beatles albums that she would play. I think I was too young when she played me Sgt. Pepper's and it just scared me. I don't get it. Um, And now I'm like, oh, I get it. And I'm having this new kind of musical re-education. And she was like that with Bowie. She played me Bowie when I was about five or six. And I was like, this is scary and I don't like it. Um, but now I'm like, ah, oh. yeah, she's too eager and too, too progressive yeah. for like a five, six year old. I was like, I don't understand. I don't like it. I never want to listen now to I'm it. Coming into it as an adult, yeah. Like, um, but I kind of grew up with a lot of bands that responded to the Beatles. So sure. I was a really big Oasis fan. And I mean, that's obvious yeah, that you can't absolutely. get away from, I mean, it bordered on pastiche, like towards the end. It's like, oh, come on. Um, and I kind of, yeah, kicked against it a little bit. My favorite bands were people like the Manic Street Preachers, people who were a bit more kind of socially kind of aware and a bit more politically spiky. I knew I was. Because um, I was a bit of a, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was a bit of a kind of left-wing teenager who was like, everything's terrible and the world is awful. Well, and I've kind of... man a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, big musical corporations are the best way to do that. Right. <laughs> So I kind of, I'm rediscovering a lot of that music now, like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles kind of going, oh, I ignored this for a really long time. That was stupid. Like, oh, this has been great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When it's right in front of you, you're like, eh. I'll get to it. Yeah. It'll it'll always be there. Right. What were you (laughs) listening to growing up? Um, I had this very odd, not odd, but like quite withdrawn musical experience. Um, of not really, of listening to like local radio. Sure. So in the 90s. So, I mean, I was obsessed with the Spice Girls. Take that. Boys own kind of all of the, yeah, a the bit thing. Backstreet Boys. Um, and then fell into this like teenage poet phase. So it was kind of, yeah, Manic Street Preachers, Nirvana, Oasis. I should have liked Smashing Pumpkins, but Billy Corgan scared me. Yeah, he's, a, he's an odd looking fellow. <laughs> Again, probably came to him a bit too young and went, I don't like how he looks. Someday. Um, but I wonder when I saw them last year. Smashing um, Pumpkins. Yeah, Smashing Pumpkins and was completely blown away. All right. And went, ah, like the stage show was amazing. Um, so from that point of view, it was a fantastic show. Okay. And actually, I've absorbed a lot of the songs from Friends. Sure. I was like, oh. been around a long time. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it was like, yeah, I've had this kind of, rever- and my dad obviously was like, very into jazz so sure, would yeah. play louis armstrong miles davis kind of probably again when i was too young to appreciate it so yeah i'm kind of coming to everything <laughs> kind of later it sounds like i was raised in some kind of like reclusive community i wasn't it was just like well this is what there is and it's it's teeny pop on the radio so. And there's nothing wrong with that. It has its place, I think, you know? It still has its place. Yeah, it's very easy to be very snidey about things like that. But actually, if it's fun and joyful... You should be having more fun. If you're the kind of person who looks down on music, you're missing the point. Exactly. It's supposed to make (laughs) you feel good. Yeah. I saw... I was just thinking through English bands over the recent... I saw Radiohead last Mm. year in Philadelphia with my brother. Oh, amazing. And then I saw Tears for Fears open for Hall & Oates two years Mm -hmm. ago. It was great. It was a yeah. fun show. I envy you, Radiohead. Yeah. I would love to see Radiohead. They're really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. That's not the word you'd normally associate with Radiohead, but I like it. They were fun. fun. <laughs> I like a good concert. We did Billy Joel the same week. 
So it was nice to hang out with yeah. my brother for a long weekend. Super cool. So I do a segment on the show each week. It is called Always Improving. It's brought to us by our friends at the Greenbrier Treatment Center. They can be reached at 1-800-637-HOPE or greenbrier.net. The question we ask each week is, what do you think is the one thing that we can do to improve the human experience here on Earth for all of us? So not just the Americans, not just the people in Wales, not just the Japanese. we got to help everybody. What's the one thing that you can do right now to positively impact our planet? One thing Just start for the whole Pick planet. I that you and I can do tonight or something we could convince everybody to do. I honestly believe it's acting with a little more compassion towards one another. Um, I mean, looking at kind of the situation here, the situation back home, it's very, very fraught with opinions, sure. with anger. And, and anger in times is absolutely justifiable. Like, I'm not saying don't be angry and outraged about some of the things that are happening because it is absolutely necessary. But I think sometimes within that, we forget the human that we're interacting with or dealing with. I certainly do. Like, I, I'm not immune from this. Um, it's easy to let anger or any emotion get the better of us. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a, a stand-up the other week was saying that it's just important to just try and remember. Like, actually, we all have to get on with each other at some point when all of this is said and done and when yeah. all the screaming and shouting has died down, like we're going to have to look each other in the eye and find a way to, whether it's within your family, your community, like across borders to go, Oh, okay. We're probably still going to be here for a few more thousand years. Hopefully. I sure hope so. We probably need to work on, yeah, that compassion and dialogue it beyond sure be the nice current. Yeah. I mean, fingers crossed being bit. optimistic about it. So yeah, I would say that. I think it's a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, the week that I was in England was the week that they delayed Brexit. Oh. I'm sure you've yeah, had all <laughs> sorts of conversations with friends and family back home. Um, and not that it feels like our government has a plan in the States either. But when you've decided to leave Europe, uh, yeah. you should probably have a plan. Yeah, we feel spectacularly clueless at right. the minute. And I think the way me and my mum are dealing with it are going by just not talking about it anymore. We're both firmly in the Remain camp. Yeah. And it's just so just infuriating and maddening that there's not even a plan. Right. Like, Enjoy I could everything. accept just about leaving if there was a plan. Right, if they knew how they But it just to seems it to be like, we're going to drive the bus off the cliff when just about half the people didn't really want us to do it anyway. And we have no idea what we're going <laughs> to do. I'm like, this isn't how you run a country. You clearly are insane. <laughs> <laughs> It just gives me zero confidence. <laughs> or maybe it should make me more confident about my potential to, you know, run for office or, for or go. Because I'm like, well, if you don't have to have a plan for anything, we'll be fine. Just be a good talking head. You get that from yeah. stand up and obviously doing yeah. theater roles for the uh, years, I think. But it did. I remember distinctly not wanting to speak to my aunt about sure, it about because I didn't home. know which way she'd voted. And she's left of centre, but in the left in Britain, you could have gone either way. Sure. Um, and there was a very awkward phone conversation when we were both dancing around the subject. And she went, of course, you know, I voted to remain. I was like, oh, we can keep talking then. It's fine. You're just like <laughs> dipping your toe. Yeah. Neither of us quite wanted to, to broach it. So it has been, yeah, it's exhausting. 
I, I, I don't want to cut myself off completely from news and current affairs, but sometimes for my sanity, I just have to go now. Gotta keep tabs, but like, sometimes you gotta keep scrolling. Yeah. I can't be that furious that much of the time and not risk like a heart attack or an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just need to step away a little bit. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> there are better ways to do it, folks. Always yeah. improving. Brought to us by the Greenbrier Treatment Center, greenbrier.net, 1-800-637-HOPE. They are restoring hope and recovering lives here in Western PA, and they offer many options to pay for drug and alcohol rehab, either with or without insurance. So if you or someone you love needs a helping hand this summer, don't hesitate to reach out to our friends at the Greenbrier Treatment Center. Harriet Riley, the guest this week on the podcast. Harriet Lockton. Harriet Riley. I said Riley, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I was just, me like I oh, screwed up. No. I was like, oh, oh, no, no, no. I got the oh. third one. I'm not editing any of this See, out. See, I have so this thing called kind of resting judgy face. Sure. Um, which is subtly different to bitchy resting face, I think. we clarified before it. Yeah, that's that. It's all good. I thought I had it. <laughs> it's a little not mis- that that was like a segue that was well constructed for you to jump in. Yeah, it just sounds. The, you stopped me in my tracks, and I go, "Oh no, no, I screwed it up." No, no, no. It just sounds a bit Downton Abbey. Sure. And people start wanting to curtsy, and it just gets terribly socially awkward. Like so three names. Full it's like, name: Garrett Shields Grady Titlebaum. Amazing. That's a good like. Solid heft. Yeah, I yeah. was. I wasn't given any middle names. Okay. I'm just. I was just Chris. Well, I wasn't even christened. Um, I'm just Harriet Riley. Done. So, yeah, I would like middle names, but you can pick them up if you want. I, don't I feel like at some point, yeah, it's a real hassle in England. Sure. Like you have to go through like deed polls and like have something printed in the Times of London. But maybe while I'm over here, I can. Yeah. Do you? What's the passport? I was going to say it might make visas more difficult. Sure. So maybe I'll just leave it alone. I still, despite having like the green card now, live in constant fear of something going wrong. Anything can happen. Being like, yeah. And I went to Canada the other week and it was the first time I traveled on my green card, which was like incredibly exciting in a sad little way. I was like, they're like, no, we don't want your passport. Just give me the green card. I was like, yes, I'm finally official. Switching to the cards. Yeah. Nice. Technology at its finest. Yeah. One day we'll just have chips in our thumbs and they'll say, you had chips the whole time, yeah. folks. <laughs> Going to be living on the internet one day, traveling to England, the snap of our fingers. Mm-hmm. Is technology too scary for you at this point? Uh, or are you embracing the uh, go-off-the-cliff mentality? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it makes me still feel old already, just like because it's moved so quickly. Yeah, um, like. You know, people going, coding is the future. I'm like, what the hell is coding? And there's a whole younger generation that are so much more savvy than I am. Um, quickly too. Yeah, really quickly. Um, and it's amazing. When I moved here, it's amazing how quickly I got used to driverless cars. Sure. The first two days, I was like, holy crap. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Take a picture Just of it. Take happen. a picture of the Uber. <laughs> um, it's a driverless car. And everyone was like, well, you're not from around here. Um, so I think it's amazing how quickly you become used to things like that. Yeah, and totally. Yeah, it doesn't scare me particularly. I don't want to become one of those people who's like, I'm of my auntie going, I'll never learn to use a computer. I could no more learn to use a computer than I could fly an airplane. I'm like, okay. I think you're limiting (laughs) yourself a little bit. Um, So I don't want to become unaware. But I get a little bit like, oh, a little bit nervous. Or just, yeah. I think it's uh, not wanting to look like an idiot. 
You want to be able to keep up with it, but yeah. you also don't want to be so dependent on it. You can't do yeah. what you need to do. Yeah, and I don't want to be so dependent on young people or kids. That I'm like, you know, I don't want to be that person who's like, here, will you program the thing for me or will you do this? Because it's teach like, me how to check yeah, emails? it's like, I think you've got to keep yourself a little bit kind of. <laughs> That's a good expectation for yourself. Yeah. To be able to get through things yeah i think so i'm not i'm not aiming too high i've set myself an achievable goal i think avoid youth teachers yes yeah (laughs) i've still got a few tricks up my sleeves exactly harriet riley (laughs) on the podcast if the listeners want to follow you if they want to check out any upcoming july shows or things that you have going on in your world, what's the best way to find you on uh, social media? If it's an Instagram, a Twitter, a podcast, a show. I would say Instagram. Cool. Um, I am, it's just changed, I am underscore Harriet underscore Riley. Got it. Um, or the improv team that I'm in, Jabba Scotch, um, has their own page, which is... Jabba Scotch. That's the best way to find their um, shows. Yes, that's the best way to find those shows. We've got, I mean, we're back at it now. The band is back together. Good. So there'll be a few coming up. Um, but Instagram is the best way to find out what shows I've got coming up. Oh. Do you have a favorite improv warm-up game? Oh, I used to hate them. Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of them are... Uh... A lot of them I'm like, I would just want to curl up and die yeah, it's tough, um, to, tough to feign excitement yeah everything. um one i have come to love is beastie boys oh, which sure. is which is rhyming couplets even though i'm terrible at it kind of just having it's good to just go ah, i'm just gonna make a food of myself and that's fine just gotta rip them and yeah them. so I, that's one of my favorites i like it that's a good pick um if the listeners want to find me i am at dropping bombs b-a-u-m-s on instagram and twitter you can find Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working on the Facebook.com and new episodes are out every Tuesday. Um, where are we? iTunes, Stitcher, Laughable, and maybe even by Independence Day, Spotify. Who knows? <gasps> it's going to be an exciting Independence Day. Big plans for your fourth this week? Yeah, it will be my first fourth of July. Yeah, Wonderful. I've always managed okay. to scarper back to the UK to avoid any kind of fireworks. So yeah, I dogs, am stoked for fireworks. The, the works. Pie, the yeah, beer you could want. I've got oh, what a holiday. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Red, white, and blue everywhere. Yep. Ungrateful colonials. <laughs> <laughs> Silly Uncle Sam top hats. Yeah, I bought myself the quick. trashiest T-shirt Good. I could find, which is like a kitten. Riding like a Star Spangled Banner rocket with like, like a red, white, and blue rocket lolly and like a red, white, and blue hat. I might so have like, that shirt actually. Yeah, Walmart. It's yeah. a it's yep. a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a good cat. I like. Yeah, I was like, that is what. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Sometimes that I, I actually spent my money on that at my first like out of town stand up gig. <laughs> so then when I got my <laughs> most amount of money for comedy. Yeah. I bought that shirt at Walmart in yep. Central PA. So I didn't tell my mom that bit. No, I was like, didn't include that in your plans for the holiday. I bought a really tacky t-shirt with it, mom. It, it was worth it. <laughs> totally worth it. She'll just see the pictures and be like, oh my goodness, you're such a disappointment. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Not for them. <laughs> Sorry, England. I think you're neat. Thank you for doing the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collection.